or starting maybe college students probably start maybe later this month or maybe in September, I assume. Yeah, so you know the fall quarter is already starting. Um, I know it's stressing people out, but God, God, God's got this, right? God's in control. Um, last week, as some of you may know, I took a few days off uh, to rest and spend time with my family. Um, during that time, I just I just didn't do anything work related. I didn't really want to check my emails. Didn't, didn't really reply to any texts as fast as I, as I usually do. Uh, yeah, just like just just kind of took a rest. Um, I, I just unplugged. I, I put some distance between myself and work. And Tim Keller, he wrote an article called power, "The Power of Deep Rest." Power of Deep Rest. And I'm just going to read a bit uh, from his article. It says this: uh, There is a symbiotic relationship between work and rest. Right? Of course, we know this at one level. Or we get away from work in order to replenish our bodies and minds. Right? Resting or practicing Sabbath is also a way to help us to get perspective on our work and to put it in its proper place. Now, often we can't see our work properly until we get some distance from it and reimmerse ourselves in other activities. Right? Then we see that there's more to life than work. With that perspective and rested bodies and minds, we return to do more and better work. But the relationship between work and rest operates at a deeper level as well. All of us are haunted by the work under the work. That need to prove and save ourselves to gain a sense of worth and identity. But if we can experience gospel rest in our hearts, if we can be free from the need to earn our salvation through our work, we will have a deep reservoir of refreshment that continually rejuvenates us, restores our perspective, and renews our passion. So, you know, rest is something that's really important. It's something that I realize that I'm not very good at. Uh, I worry, and I, and I worry a lot. I worry, and I think sometimes my brain just doesn't stop. It doesn't stop when I should be sleeping sometimes. And I get stressed out, and I get exhausted. So, maybe this is for you, um, that, that, you that this is something you can consider, to, to rest. And, you know, we read in Bible Genesis that Jesus, I mean, God was actually the first one to rest. Right? Uh, God was the first one. Um, he... Uh, rested on the seventh day after he finished creation, and then God blessed the seventh day and he made it holy. And he rested from all the work that he did. So, um, my prayer and my, my challenge to you is that we rest because we are made in his image. And maybe, yeah, this is something that, that you might need to, to do. So, uh, as we think about that, let's turn to Acts chapter 15. Acts chapter 15. Hope that some of you guys were able to get some good rest during the summer. Um, yeah, uh, and, and, and you know, go into fall quarter with you know, full force. So, Acts chapter 15, verse 36. Acts chapter 15. So, I'm just going to start reading in verse 36. It says, Sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, Let us go back and visit the brothers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord, and see how they are doing. Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with them, but Paul did not think it wise to take it, because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and left, commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. He went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. So do, you, do you guys know um, one of the things that makes me restless? One of the things that makes me restless, it, it, it's what happens in this passage, uh, disagreement. Disagreement, it stresses me out. 
it, it, um, conflict and um, it, it's just, it, it stresses me out, it, it pressures me and it doesn't, it doesn't allow me to rest. Maybe it's the cultural concept of harmony that I grew up with the, uh, that, that I like to kind of avoid conflict if possible. And, and I think about it, and wouldn't it be nice if we could just all get along? We just all get along, uh, no disagreement or conflict in life, where everyone is on the same page, and, and even if we aren't, uh, all we need to do is just you know, have, a, have a short chat, you know, have a little get-together, talk it out, and everything's good. Right, we can easily sort things out, like there was never a problem at all. Wouldn't it be nice if we you know, lived in a world where no one got hurt, right? no one got angry, no one got bitter, so recently I've been, I've been watching a, a TV show, my sister knows it, I've been watching a superhero TV show, and uh, I'm not going to spoil, I mean, it's not really a spoiler anymore because it's already been out for like many seasons, um, and I'm not going to say the name, but yeah, it's, it's, yeah so in this season, um, there's this like scientist, and he creates this, uh, this virtual world, uh, kind of like the Matrix, he creates this virtual world, and and if you're plugged in, uh, your memories are altered so that supposedly you're only going, I mean, you're only going to be experiencing bliss. Right? You're only going to be experiencing happiness and joy, or that's the, that's the, the hope that, uh, of being plugged into this virtual world. And it, it becomes in, it, kind of like a heaven, kind of like a heaven. But it's all fake, right? It's, it's not real. And... I mean, in the, yeah, and, and the characters quickly find out that this virtual world is supposed to be like heaven is actually more like a hell, which is really interesting. And in the world world, as, as we experience, life is vastly different, right? It's not perfect here. And we realize that this applies to the church and believers as well. As a pastor, I often worry about the unity of our church, the unity between people, how, how are people getting along, right? Are people having conflicts, how are they resolving them, you know, um, are people uh, avoiding each other, or are, are people not forgiving, you know, I, I, I worry about these things sometimes. And here, in this passage, we have two leaders in the Christian community, Paul and Barnabas. And uh, I just want to remind us of who Barnabas was. Uh, first, we learn about him in chapter 4 of Acts. So he's this guy, this Jew, he sold a piece of land and he gave the money uh, to the apostles, so the apostles would use this money uh, to, to serve and to, to help the people of this Christian community. And this, this guy, Barnabas, his name actually means son of encouragement. Son of encouragement. He was faithful, and he believed that God is in control, that God could do anything, that God could save anyone. He, he believed that God could have the power to transform anyone, right? Even the vicious Christian-hunting person called Saul. Remember, remember Saul? Saul was the guy who went around uh, and wanted to put Christians in prison, right? Killing, Christ, uh, killing Christians. And when Saul, he first came to Jerusalem after he was converted on the road to Damascus, um, he, uh, all the Christians were so afraid. They were like, no, this guy is Saul. He's, um, he's, he's probably pretending. He's probably a fake. Uh, he's probably coming in under the disguise of being a Christian so that he can put us in prison. And Barnabas, uh, as told in the Bible, was apparently the only one that was willing to stand up and vouch for Saul. And was like, hey guys, I, I believe, 
And I vouch for Saul. Why? Because after he was converted, he put his life on the line to spread the gospel. Right, this guy's changed. This guy's changed. God did something amazing in his life, and I believe that. So let's give Saul a chance. Let's give him a chance, guys. And he was able to convince the people, and then they allowed Saul to, to enter. Right, this was the person that Barnabas was. Right? He was a believer in God and what God could do in us and through us, and he was really the embodiment of encouragement. Right, on the other hand, Saul, he was also a prominent figure in the Christian community. Right, after his conversion, he took the gospel to the Jews and to the Gentiles. Right? Uh, Justin's uh, preaching through the book of Philippians really shows us uh, the context of one of the churches, one of the cities, one of the places in which Paul went and his impact. So as we read through Philippians with, with Justin, we're able to see that. Like this is, you know, the work that he's been doing uh, for, for God. You know, and, and through Philippians, we're able to see Paul's life, his thoughts, his love for people, how he cares so much for people, and how he took the gospel to hundreds and, uh, and hundreds of people across the ocean, right, across the land. He traveled a lot. He cared for people so much. And later on, you know, as we see in, in the Church of Antioch later on, um, that Holy Spirit, he set apart Barnabas and Saul, right, Paul, for a special work, for a special mission, right, to take the gospel out, right, to be missionaries. So these two guys, Paul and Barnabas, they toiled together, they labored together, they worked together like brothers for like one or two years. Right, they went through life and death situations, they, they struggled together, they probably didn't have a uh, nice food to eat all the time or a comfy bed to sleep in. Right, but they were together, they had each other. But then something's really strange. It says that these two people, they had a sharp disagreement that they parted company, in verse 39. So even though these people, they claim to know God, we saw their, back, their backgrounds, their testimonies, right? they, we, we respect them, and even though they did so much for God's mission, and they were family, church family, these men weren't perfect. Right? These men were not perfect. They still made mistakes. Right? They still sinned. Right, right before this, uh, this passage, about a couple weeks ago, I gave a, a sermon on unity, right? On how Gentiles and Jews, they should continue to fellowship together and not allow cultural differences to push them apart. So that the Gentiles were, were told that, hey, would you guys give up some of your rights? So that the Jews, you know, they wouldn't uh, want to not fellowship with you as, as a loving thing. So, like, so, so I think that, that what we're taught here is that the importance of fellowship Courses of fellowship, how the Gentiles were, were told, uh, hey, would you not eat meat sacrificed to idols or food sacrificed to idols? Would you not eat blood or, or, or uh, meat strangled? Things like that. And it was selfless. It was loving. It was sacrificial. And there was something beautiful about what they have here. But then these two men, they had a disagreement and they parted. So, like, what's the deal here? So I want to lay out the context of their disagreement and then uh, we'll see, we'll, we'll see how, what you guys think. So first, Paul suggested to Barnabas in the very beginning, right, in 36, right? He says that, hey, let's go back to visit these towns, these cities, these places, these churches, these believers. Let's go back and visit them, see how they're doing. At the end of Acts 14, Paul and Barnabas, they did something similar. 
right, in verse 21 22, they went back to previous towns and cities to kind of encourage the believers in their faith. And I, when I hear that, I think about verse 23 in Acts chapter 14. He says, we must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. Because if you're really living as a Christian, then life will be hard for you. Life will be hard for you in this world because the world, it, it, it has opposition to our to Christian way of life. Right? So if your Christian life is void of hardships, it's, it's void of suffering, then, you know, I, I wonder, right, are you, are you living for God? Are you able to you know, sign off, right, S-D-G, right, behind everything that you do or say or you think? So Barnabas, he agrees that, hey, it's a good idea, it's a great idea. Let's go back, let's go visit them, but hey, I want to bring my buddy John, John Mark, here. And John Mark, he also happened to be Barnabas' cousin. Let's bring him, you know, like, you know, we might need some extra help or something. And isn't it a wonderful thing to bring people along with your, your journey, right, to have people around you, right, having another friend to face life with? And perhaps most importantly, I can see discipleship happening here. So what is discipleship? It's truth and love in relationships. Truth and love in relationships. So, like I, uh, I mean, I, I'll, so I'll announce later on, um, we have something uh, going on. Uh, I'll announce later on after, after the, the, the service, the end of service. But uh, what we can see here is that uh, Barnabas and, and Paul, they, they, uh, if they can bring John along, then they're able to invest in him. They're able to challenge, uh, challenge him and he, like, Let's work together. I want to show you what it looks like to live as a Christian. I want to show you what it looks like to share the gospel. I want to show you what it looks like to endure suffering or hardship, how to trust God. And at the same time, hey, John Mark can also challenge Paul and Barnabas to be better leaders, right? to be better mentors, how to, how to love better, how to take care of people better. So wouldn't, wouldn't that be a good thing? So then why is Paul so against it? In verse 38, it says, But Paul did not think it wise to take him, because he had deserted them. And he had not continued with them in the work. So we, so we want to wonder, when we, when we hear something, when it says, uh, when we see the word because here, some of your translations, it should say because, we want to see what happened before and after because those things connect together, right? So he didn't just desert them for no reason. He deserted them uh, because, uh, so, like, just, uh, Paul didn't want to take him just, not just because he didn't want to take him, but because he, was, he deserted them. And that's something that's really serious here. So in, in, uh, in uh, chapter 13, if you want to go back to chapter 13, you can see in verse 13, it says that, uh, now it talks about how John deserted them in the past. It says, Now Paul and his companions set sail from Paphos and came to Persia and Pamphylia, and John left them and returned to Jerusalem. So we're not told the conditions for his desertion. Or we're not sure if he was ill, if he was sick. Uh, we don't know if he was homesick. You know, we don't know uh, if he was just exhausted from traveling. We don't know if he was afraid of persecution. We're not sure if, you know, maybe there was a girl waiting for him back home in Jerusalem. Or we're not sure. We're not sure why he left. But his leaving was perceived by Paul as desertion. And that's really serious. He basically, Paul's like, this guy ditched us. Or this guy just bounced. He didn't continue the mission with us. 
Why John, he wasn't asking for sick leave. He didn't intend to come back. He didn't leave on good terms. And Paul, he told us that something very serious. Would we want someone like this to come back onto our team? Can we trust this guy? Can, what, if, what if he deserts us again? And I want you guys to see those two different arguments. Right, Barnabas, he was known as an encourager. He was the type of person that stood up for people when no one would. Right, he was the type of guy that gave people second chances. Right, he was the guy that was like, yeah, sure, John's my cousin, but no one's perfect, right? We all mess up. Haven't we all ran away at some point in our lives before we ran away from some situation? So let's give him another chance. So when you hear these two type of arguments, like, it's kind of like, it's conflicting, right? As I read this, I was like, oh, like, hmm, like, yeah, like, that's a good argument. That's a good argument, too. So just as an exercise, uh, I think it's, it might be interesting, but, um, so on the count of three, I want to ask you guys to raise your hand uh, based on who you think is right in this situation, okay? Based on who you think is right. So I want you to raise your left hand if you think, uh, Paul is right. So, oh no, no, on three. Okay? <laughs> on three. Okay? So, on a count of three, you raise your left hand if you think Paul is right. And you raise your right hand if you think Barnabas is right. Okay? Let's, just, let's, let's try that, okay? One, two, three. Not, not everyone. Wait, hold your hand, keep your hand up. Keep your hand up. So, okay, so we have a people for, okay. Oh, oh, someone's two hands. Okay. I'm not sure if someone's picking their nose or not. Okay. Oh, okay, all right. Okay, yeah, so, so as, we, as I saw here, there was, you know, there was a, you know, some, some, some different hands going up. And maybe some, some people are like, I don't know what to think. I didn't raise my hands. Or like, I guess either way could work or something, right? Um, some people are like, I didn't really, really want to show my answer. Uh, but yeah, so like, people think different things. So sadly, Paul and Barnabas, they weren't able to come to an agreement over this issue. Which means they tried talking it out. They tried reasoning with each other. So, so I don't want us to take this as like, yes, uh, you know, if we disagree, let's just always split. You know, like... Yeah, we, we, just, we just leave. I, I don't agree, so I'm out. I'm, I'm, I'm bouncing. Right? That's, that's not what's, what's shown here. But it's a sad thing. When we talk so much about unity during the church, at retreat, we talk about being a family. Yeah, these two big shots, right? They couldn't even stay together. But interestingly here is that Luke, as he writes this, he never writes who's right or wrong. And that's not the important thing here, I think. He never writes about who's right or wrong. Sure, we don't hear much about Barnabas later on in the book of Acts. But church history says that Barnabas went on, right? He continued to, to, to spread the gospel and he died as a martyr. He, did, he died for God. He died for what he believed in. Right? In the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ. He died living for Jesus. So yes, we're not always going to agree with each other. And that's, that's how it is, right? We have a lot of different backgrounds here. Uh, we have different cultural backgrounds. We have different upbringings. We have different values, right? We have different, different uh, points, uh, different uh, sources of influence. 
We're, but likewise, they both thought they were doing the right thing, and we might think that we're doing the right thing. And ended the should separate, and that's, that's a really sad thing, I think. But here, we're going to see how God can redeem a situation like this. So Paul, he took Silas and he went to Syria and Cilicia. Uh, Cilicia. So Silas, he was actually one of the people that brought that letter uh, to the Gentiles. He brought that letter and was like, hey, um, you don't need to be circumcised, but you guys need to at least abstain from these four things. So, so Silas was, you know, had potential, I think. Paul saw this guy, he had potential. So I want to bring this guy along. And Barnabas, he took uh, Mark and he went to Cyprus. So Cyprus was um, their hometown, basically, their, their, their home, uh, home hometown. And we see that even in this sad situation, God can be in control. Why? Because his mission is still proceeding despite these supposed setbacks. Instead of one group of believers making disciples, spreading the gospel, now we have, right, like two groups now. Right, instead of, instead of just three people, well, John kind of like disappeared on them, but instead of like, let's say, uh, Paul and Barnabas, now there were what, like four people, right? Four people going up. And as we see later on, Paul, he, in chapter 16, he invites Timothy to join him as well. Right, so now more people are going out, more groups. With more groups means that they can cover more ground, they can reach more people. And Paul and Barnabas, they could empower and they can teach, they can lead uh, these less experienced people how, how to be a Christian, how, how to go forth, how to lead. And this is something that I, that's been on my mind since the beginning, beginning of this year, is that, is that we could also multiply that. We see ourselves as each one of us as someone who can go out and create more, to, to influence, to multiply so some of you, uh, I mean, I actually um, was kind of conflicted. I wasn't sure if I, if I wanted to, to share this or not. Um, but I think this is, a, this is really important and really matches what's kind of going on here. Is, is that some of you may or may not know that, is that our church is kind of in the middle of a lawsuit right now. I don't know, this thing has been going on for many, many, many years. Uh, a lot of you guys have been here longer than I have, so you guys probably kind of went through that already. So for the next uh, few weeks, uh, there, there's, there's a trial that's going on on USA versus Chang. Um, I actually went to the court courtroom uh, last Monday, and I sat there. They were doing jury selection, um, and basically the the gist of it is that uh, yeah, Mr. Chang, he, uh, he used to be an elder here, uh, he, but he's no longer here. He's no longer an elder, and he was accused of misappropriating church donations. So some people, they sided with Mr. Chang right, and his family. Some people did decide it elsewhere. And over this sharp disagreement, like, I'm not, I'm, I can't say who's right or wrong, right? Because, like, you know, like it's, it's such a messy situation. Um, and, like, the government's dealing with that right now. Like, the facts, like, what are the facts right now, right? It's, it's, it's like they're going to have to dig up a lot of stuff. I don't know. But over this sharp disagreement, many people left the church. And this is kind of something that, we, that, that I, I talked with some of the people here. They were asking me questions and stuff. Um, yeah, many people left. People left over a disagreement. They, they couldn't reconcile. And I think that's a terrible thing. Like, people not be able to reconcile over something. I think that's, that, that, that's really sad. Especially people leaving. 
over that. that. That means like we can no longer be together because of this. I, I, I just I can't be here anymore. Right? However, I believe that God is still in control. There are all those people who have left. I hear time to time, you know, through God Grapevine, that people, even though they left, they're still living for Jesus. Right? They're, they're still plugged in somewhere. They're still making an impact for God. Right? They're still making their mark in this world. Right? They're still living for Jesus. And when I hear something like that, I'm like, yeah, I can't. I, I can be okay with that. They left, they're no longer here, but they're out there, they're still living for Jesus. Yes, people have different points of view, but something good can come out of that. Right? They're still out there, they're, 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 maybe they're, they're creating more groups, they're influencing other people, whereas if they're here, they weren't doing as much. I don't know. But that's something that I can be okay with. And I think that for the people that stayed here, uh, we can better learn how to serve each other. We can, we can learn how to be better leaders, right? The, the elders, they can learn how to better protect the church. Right? Maybe, that's, maybe that's a lesson that they had to learn. How, to be, how can we as a church be more responsible? Right? How can we put systems in place where we can, we can check on each other and things like that? How about how, how to forgive? Right? Maybe this is a time where people needed to learn, wow, I'm not very good at forgiving people. Wow, I can, I can, I can really hold some grudges. I can really hold some... Um, bitterness in my heart against people, uh, fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Maybe it's a time where people can learn, wow, we need to work together. Right? We don't really work together. If we're not really unified as a church body, then you know, we might not have the, what we have here anymore. And it's not easy, right? It's not painless. Uh, I'm going to Elder Deacon Board meeting today, and part of me is like, yeah, I want to go to that. Part of me is also like, uh, you know, I don't know, right? Like, because sometimes stuff, stuff goes on in there, and, and people, they, they, they get emotional, and other people got hurt, and all that, all this type of stuff. But it's, it's not easy, it's not painless. And, but growing, it never is. Growing never is. Now, I believe that God, through times like this in our church, it can really make us more into like Jesus Christ. Right? It can reveal things in our hearts, things about ourselves that we never really knew before. So even in the midst of this lawsuit thing that's going on for the next couple of weeks, I'm going to be go attending some, some of their, their hearings and kind of see what's going on. Um, but this is something that, that I got to myself too, is that, man, God's in control. Even in the midst of something like this, God can be in control. Even though something seemingly bad that's happening, we may never know why God allowed such things to happen, but He never fails to accomplish His will. That somehow, something good can still come out of that. That God never fails, that God, He prevails over our failures. I think that's something that's really amazing, if we, if we believe that. And do you believe that? That, that God is more powerful than our screw-ups? Right? That He can bro- turn brokenness into something beautiful? That our stuff-ups stuff don't stop Him? Right. So don't believe the lie that, that you're too messed up that God can't use you. I, I, I think that some people often think that way. They think that Man, I'm too far gone, you know, I'm just going to, I believe in Jesus, but that's like, that's about it. I'm just, you know, let other people do, do their things, or I'm just going to just be quiet and not, not do anything, or like, stuff like that. But no, God can use you too. God can use you too for His glory. 
So don't believe the lie that you always got to perform perfectly too. Because none of us are perfect. None of us are perfect in, in this life. And as we live for God, you know, we might not always do the right thing, say the right thing. You know, we, we, we might disagree with people. We might, uh, like, yeah, we might come into conflict and stuff like that. But whatever happens through our failures, God can prevail over that. And I think when we think about it that way, when we live life, we can, we can have that sense of rest that, that I was talking about in the beginning of, the, of, of, of this message. is having a rest, resting in the gospel, resting in the, in the finished work of Jesus Christ. That, that we, don't really need, we don't have to perform at all for, for our salvation. I think that's really awesome. Um, and I, I know that uh, in Derry Treat, um, Pastor John Kim, he really spoke about this a lot, about um, more to life. Right? Living for God. Living for Jesus. And whatever happens, you know, it's, it's in his hands. So I encourage you as, as, we, as you guys continue to think about this and go forth and, and live. And I know some people are starting school. Some people you know, are starting work. Some people are, are in the midst of stuff. Um, whatever happens between people, between you and God, between the circumstances of this world, that God is in control. So I know some of you guys might be thinking right now, like, I don't know. I don't know if that's true. I, I don't know, like, if, 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 that, if that can happen. Like, what about my past or, or things like that? Can, it doesn't make sense to me. I, I know sometimes things don't make sense. Sometimes things don't make sense. Sometimes we don't see things clearly until later on. But I think what we can see here is that, that we can trust God. That we can trust God. In verse 41, we see later on it says, He went through Syria right, and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. So we see something good that came out of that. That even though there's a disagreement, they parted company. But even then, through this split, churches were strengthened. Something good came out of that. Churches were strengthened. So I want you guys to just take a moment. Take a moment to, uh, to, 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 to talk to God. Think about something that, man, you're just not sure if God can, can, can handle it. Or maybe you're, you're, you want to, you're holding on to it really tightly and you just don't want God to be involved in, in, in this situation right now. You just, you just, maybe you feel like, I just, I just got to figure it out. I just got to deal with it on my own. I, got, I just got to carry this whole thing on, on, on my back by myself. I want to ask you, would you, would, you, would you please invite God into that? Would you ask God, I don't know what's going on, it's really messy, um, I don't know what's going to happen, but God, would you do something in my life? Um, would, would you continue to do your good work in me? I trust you, and, and, and I'm following you. Um, whatever happens, Lord, I know that you're doing it for, for, for my good. So, um, or, yeah, so let, let's, let, me that, let us uh, pray that. And I just want to give you guys a few moments to, to do that. As, and then we're going to um, sing a, a song. And, and I mean, we're going to go into communion, and then we're going to sing a song later. So, yeah, just take a moment to think about that and pray about that.